Hey, it's another edition of Filmed in Canada, a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee, and joining me again are Chris Savory and Paul Tartaglio. I have them both with me because, yes, I want to see them both. (laughs) (laughs) Is this an inside joke? (laughs) Um, There are two of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today we are we're gonna see we're we're watching one of the legendary Canadian productions, uh, or I mean we're talking about one of the legendary Canadian productions. We just watched 1981's Porkies. We just watched yeah. Porkies. <laughs> I have to go shower after this podcast. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so before we get the shower room, though, oh, separately, oh, yeah, and with no peepholes. Let's uh, let's remind uh, listeners: uh, our website is filmedincanada.net. You can find our other content there. You can find our past episodes. You can leave comments about our shows. If you found us on iTunes or another podcatcher, if you care to leave a review, that helps us out. Helps out uh, the profile of what we do. I uh, hope you enjoy what we're doing. And um, um, 1981's Porky's by director, director-writer Bob Clark. Did he write it? Yep. He wrote it? He wrote it. Oh, shame. I think he grew up in Florida, so I think it's actually sort of based on his sort of the tomfoolery of, and the shenanigans I of he and his he buddies in, it, uh, in Florida growing up It was reportedly a passion project of his. Oh, Bob. <laughs> so Bob <Rest> Clark. <laughs> Bob. Sorry. Oh. Bob Clark is a is a is an American director mm-hmm. uh, from I think he was born in New Orleans, grew up in Florida. Uh, but career wise, he's kind of an honorary Canadian because he he had a good ten years churning him out um, north of the forty ninth, uh, probably taking advantage of Canada's uh, tax credit system for uh, for film productions. Other productions he's um, he's famous for include uh, Black Christmas. Um, my favorite Death Dream, Death Death Dream. It has two different titles, but Death Dream is one of the titles and assigned it was one to that of its film. Earlier ones for sure, and then the um, Christmas Story. A Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I heard um, I read somewhere that um, was it the same company who made uh, Porky's and a Christmas Story. Um, <laughs> but I. I think I read somewhere that um, he was able to make a Christmas story because of the because of how successful Porky's was. He was able to talk really? the company into financing a Christmas story. Wow! Wow! So, you're welcome, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so Porky's gave us Christmas. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Um, give us some of the stats on the legacy, the legend that is Porky's, Paul. Well, um, of course, I went to Box Office Mojo, and this will blow your mind, that it was the top, the, the fifth of the top five moneymakers for 1982, and the movie did over $105 million. Now, it was only beat by Rocky Three, Officer and a Gentleman, Tootsie, and E.T. <laughs> the next closest movie, which was like $40 million below it, was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Below that, 48 Hours, Poltergeist, uh, Annie, The Verdict, and Gandhi, among others. And The Road Warrior, I think, was like 33 in that. So Porky's, I think, in watching the movie, must have been shot for 68 bucks. (laughs) Did 105 million uh, box office. Do you think it was uh, rated R? I mean, things were different in the 80s. So an R now is definitely feels saucier than... What a PG would have been in 1981. It was definitely an R because yeah. I remember I remember this movie distinctly as a child because I played hockey, and it came out in March, which was around playoff time for hockey, and the the guys whose dads were a little bit looser, a little bit you know would show up to the games drunk and stuff like that, would take their kids to the movie, so these guys got to experience this thing. How they old were you? I would have been like well, 14? 1981. I or... would have been 12 or 13 years old, right? And so these these uh, young guys would have gone with their dads. Their dads would have taken them. And the, the guys that were lucky enough to go would be telling all these inside jokes and, wow. and uh, sort of relating to characters within the movie. And I didn't get to see it much like you, William, yeah. till the birth of home video. 
And when I saw it, I think I might have been, you know, 16 years old or something like that, maybe 84, 85. I couldn't believe what a piece of crap it was. I was like, what the F is wrong? And then then I thought back, you know, and I was like, wow, actually, you know what? Most of the guys on the team that did see it were kind of special. And dads dads were alcoholics. And, you know, it made sense to me then that, you know, looking back through through the the lens of time, those two long years between home video and my dad saying, no way, I'm going to take you to see that movie. Yeah. And, um, well, that's why I'm amazed that it made $105 million because it isn't all 18 year olds going to see it. And people that were 32, unless they were alcoholic hockey dads living in the Kootenays, who else is going to this movie? Like, how does it make so much money? Well, I think they marketed it as a sort of, I feel like watching the movie, it was sort of like a, an Animal House type thing. Animal House was far enough in the distance that. People were hungry for it, and so out came this thing. And I'm trying to think of the movies that came out around it, and there's not a lot of teen sex comedies that were before it, but after, it was like a floodgate. And so our our entire adolescence was probably perverted by the this the ideas <laughs> that, that were sort of floated in this movie. Sure. I think it's a I think it's a highly influential movie. Yeah, highly I influential. Agree. And you can see it just ripping, you know, uh full scale pages from Animal House trying to to do it. And if you say Bob Clark for him it was a passion project, well, you know, so be it. The the thing that you know the thing that the thing about it was that Watching the movie, you you recognize or you realize, and it's something you lose as an adult male, how much you rip on one another. Uh, You know, generally, you know, I don't work in the yards or, you know, out in the construction uh, field. So I'm not around that sort of ripping on one another thing. And this whole movie was like one episodic rip after another. Mm -hmm. And so I could see why it would appeal to alcoholic dads <laughs> and their 13 and 14 year old pubescent sons i can yeah. totally see why this would be a, a hit with them okay so for anyone who doesn't know what porkies is about well it's essentially about a bunch of um about a bunch of high school seniors who want to get laid right high and school seniors who look like they're 43 yeah. no not look like they're actually 43 <laughs> so yeah so um it's it, just i think it's just a, it's a setup of different maybe vignettes of from Bob, from Bob Clark's uh, childhood. Sure. Just, yeah, playing pranks on each other, trying to get laid, playing pranks, getting back at the teacher, trying to get laid. There's the, uh, th- there is one sort of a uh, um, story arc where they, they go to uh, a seedy place called Porky's because they think um, they, can, uh, they can hire prostitutes there, but they're humiliated by the owner. And, uh, and then they wait until the end of the movie to get the revenge. And that's almost, even though that is like the most story that there is in the movie, I found that to be the most tiresome part of the movie. Um, do you know what I mean? Like the, Going to Porky's? Going to Porky's and that whole, like the uh, waiting for Porky to make his move and then waiting for them to make their retaliation. Mm-hmm. And right. it just, um, I just was not really interested in that. But then what are you left with other than just watching They just them really need to get laid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that, that you can see them shoehorning the animal house, uh, sort of, um, structure into it. You know, animal house ends with this, um, sort of anarchic, is that the right word? Where the, um, I forget even what the deltas totally take down the town, right? Literally and figuratively. And so, this movie, it had that poor schmuck, the poor uh, hillbilly guy, uh, continuing to sort of off-camera almost go back to Porky's, get his ass kicked, and finally it's the last straw, and they go to they go to take down the thing, and so they have to wipe the place out. So it was totally shoehorned into, again, this goes back to them ripping pages out of the Animal House uh, uh, script, trying to... Uh, make this thing into a story. If you didn't have the Porky's um, retaliation, then the only you could only end it in one of two ways. You either have like a graduation, like in the movie Grease, where everyone everyone sings and rides the Ferris wheel, or you uh, you have the Animal House thing, which is 
once they get to college, they all get laid. And then you actually have like title cards come up and say, you know, Pee Wee, you know, October 1953 got laid by his, you know, mm-hmm. sociology professor. Mm-hmm. There's no other way. If you don't have mm-hmm. the Porky's retaliation, you have to have them getting laid or something. You know, I was, I was thinking and I was hoping that I, I wouldn't be disappointed. But um, this morning when I was thinking about the movie, because I haven't seen it in 20, well, gosh, 35 years, I guess. Um, I was, you know, thinking, what is Porky's? What is Porky's? And then it, it dawned on me, it's Greece without the musical and the humor. So <laughs> it's kind of this, this weird, uh, not funny, mm-hmm. very racist, hugely misogynistic uh, world that Bob Clark grew up in. And somehow that man was able to give us Ralphie and the bumpus sounds. I mean, <laughs> what is that? Let's talk about the racism for a bit, then. Okay. Um, it's very early on. It establishes what a race, what a racist atmosphere um, these characters are in, where um, a pair of them are they're planning an elaborate prank for later that night, and they talk they talk very um, um, vividly, graphically, explicitly, graphically, explicitly. <laughs> they drop the N word like three times, like it's nothing. Yeah, and then they fix it by saying colored, and then they fix it by saying Negro. Yeah, because he's just. He's this this person is a, is a tool for their gag. Their gag. And the way that they talk about him is just so uh, objectifying and dismissive and disgusting. And it's like, wow. It's kind of a shock. It's kind of a shock when we watch it in 2016 uh, that this was like mainstream entertainment. This was just, you, you know, audience would just accept it. I don't, I don't think audiences are, are supposed to be repelled by it. It is just the way that the characters are talking and you're, you're to expect it. Um, and uh, and then there's the character who's Jewish and um, um, a number of uh, well there's one character in particular who who uh, takes a lot of jabs at him, but he's a, the Jewish character is allowed to be a fighter and he he turns out to be something of a hero to the group later on. Um, we don't get that for any. There's no black characters in the school though. Yeah. No. And well, there probably is an integration at this point, right? It'd be the I 50s. wouldn't. It not in it's, it's the fifties and nineteen. Okay. Yeah. In, in, the 1950s. Yeah. Do you think... Um, I'm not sure if... I mean, Bob Clark is um, writing about things that he remembers. I think, he, I think he's taking a stand against racism where it, where, uh, it falls on the, on the Jewish character. But it doesn't, it, doesn't rec- it doesn't open it up to any other ethnicities. Or even to women. Like, women in this no. are, are just playthings and... and and, and when you read the reviews, the only thing that reviewers keep talking about is the sort of misogyny about the movie. They don't even touch on the racism. So I'm assuming that in 1981-82, dropping the N-word and being uh, um, sort of anti-Semitic wasn't that huge of a deal. And certainly hating women clearly wasn't... Well, it certainly anything. didn't register with me as a 13 or 14-year-old watching that movie. I wasn't... Uh... I, I, I was shocked to hear that in the first five minutes. I don't recall that at all. I don't recall any of that, the mm-hmm. racial overtones and the misogyny. Eh, whatever. I mean, it was the, it's a sex romp. I don't expect it to be fair. Certainly not in 1981. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your first time seeing it when whatever that was in your life? Chris, do you want to talk about your first time? <laughs> you always remember your first yeah. time watching Porky's. Um, I don't recall it specifically, but it certainly was the first, you know, it went Porky's and then Fast Times was, I think, the same year. And then it was like class and zapped and homework mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all those, all those sort of risky business, all of those sort of early teen sex movies. And, you know, we're all trying to figure out what it's all about. So... Everyone, whether you're male or female, is looking to see, you know, the boob, the beave, what's happening, masturbation, like mm-hmm. all of that. I mean, I think Fast Times definitely covered abortion, <laughs> you know, teenage sex, masturbation, it's the same boobs. Well, yeah, I think I saw, I think I saw Fast Times in uh, 1983. So yeah, it's all around the same time. So it's you know, your motivation is all the same. Like it's. It's titillating, but it's also 
homework. Like you're just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what mm-hmm. being a teenager is all about and what everybody else has and what they're doing and what it all means and what does third base mean? What does second base mean? So yeah, I think that's what my first <laughs> introduction to Porky's was just like everybody else's yeah. at that time with, I think, with early adolescence. I think maybe... Um, Maybe your take on this is different, but I I think at, when I at that age, I think I knew there were movies that were for my age group, which were like you know the Muppets Go to Space or whatever, and Star Wars and right. uh, stuff like that. And then I knew there were movies that were for adults. Um, and adults or teens? No, teenagers, man. This wasn't an adult movie. No, I mean no, other no. than the fact that everyone in it is an adult. <laughs> So nothing like learning sex or about sex from a thirty-year-old guy yeah. pretending to be sixteen. I don't. I, I think in my mind though, I just saw like kids movies and adult movies. I didn't realize that teen movies were the were like the oh, bridge, were the bridge yeah. movie, right? right. Yeah. Because because clearly this is. I mean, it's an R movie, and it's um, so you know the theaters are supposed to check ID and not let kids in. But it's yeah, it's made to sell tickets to kids who are going to sneak in or buy a ticket for the other theater. One would think, or have their alcoholic father take them <laughs> with a bunch of friends <laughs> and go. And clearly, that's what happened. Or yeah. your older brother, right? Or like, your older brother, sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I and I, I do remember in the papers, um, in the newspapers, you would see ads for um, for the latest porno flicks, right? And the, the warning was, you know, this. This movie is like in the Vancouver, like in the Sun in the yeah, province. This, this movie is completely concerned with sex. That was the warning. This movie is completely concerned with what? sex. What? So on the same page, you might see, um, you know, um, the Last Starfighter, the Last Starfighter, Dark Crystal, and you know, um, Sika's latest adventure, or whatever. Right on the same page. So I think seeing Porky's, uh, uh, you know, right. uh, the poster for Porky's in the paper, it was hard to distinguish like what audience it's for because it's just like, well, it's not the latest space movie right it must be the other movies i think in my mind so you know it was um like a gateway into like you know if if you wanted to know what the other side was about what adults are watching this right. is one of those that was there so you're like you know it, when you you know when you can get access to the knowledge here's one of them right right oh, <laughs> it's crazy to think that in 1982 i saw et four times in the movie theater and then, like, the next year, I was watching Porky's on VHS. Wow. Adolescence, hey? I mean, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> and probably not laughing. At Porky's? Yeah. No. I was taking notes. Right. Yeah, I was very serious. Mm-hmm. It was like an academic uh, you exercise. You know, I hadn't thought about the newspaper thing for years until you mentioned it. I don't it. remember amazing. that at all. They used to have, uh, in fact, as time went on and porno theaters in Vancouver closed down... There was one that was open in Blaine, and then they would have on the side, it would be sort of these sort of smudgy, semi-naked pictures of, of girls. And when you're a pubescent boy, it was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then Porky's is the picture, if you recall, is a guy peeping through a shower stall with a girl's, I think, a naked leg or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And now, And when you see that, you can actually see why alcoholic dads would take their <laughs> kids to it because they too are getting something out of it right? right and i remember it was like porky's and then i want to say there was a sylvia christelle movie where she played a neighbor or rochelle rochelle no it was like private tutor or my tutor oh, yeah. or something like that yeah. it was like private part private something private, private lessons private lessons maybe. yeah i don't know but it was around the same time, and that too was another movie where alcoholic dads took their kids, <laughs> and the kids, the, the cool kids that got to go, and by cool kids means they're probably all in jail now, but they got to, I mean, these guys were men, and they were 14, they got to go to this movie while I was going to E.T. the Extraterrestrial <laughs> five times, because, you know, D. Wallace Stone was super hot at that point, or whatever, actually it was just a great movie. So... There's something to be said for marketing and the fact that you could get dads and their sons to go to the same movie, marketing it as a quasi porno, mm-hmm. because there were those. So that was the tail end of porn theaters, mm-hmm. I think, or it's certainly advertising them. Yeah, well played. I totally forgot about that. Do you have any memories of your first time? Seeing first porno. Um, <laughs> no. uh, first Porky's. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember it. It was. Not seeing it as a kid, 
wishing I'd would, uh, had mm-hmm. a, a kid. I was 12 or 13. And by the time, you know, 15 rolled around, we'd rented uh, a VCR and watched it at my cousin Jay's house with a stack of other movies. It got sort of lost in the mix. I mean, I think we probably started with Porky's. And the whole room, there might have been eight kids because, you know, you rented a, a VCR for somebody's birthday, was quiet. Like, there, nobody was laughing at it. We were all trying to find something humorous about it. Maybe Pee-wee's manic stuff was a little bit funny at the time. But it wasn't that good. And then I'm sure we put in something like uh, class or... Um, private lessons or something like that and now that was a movie and then we topped it off with something like cue the mexican wizard or mexican uh, stop animation do you remember that cue the, the serpent something cue the serpent and yeah. the road warrior probably would have mm-hmm. topped it off or the exorcist <laughs> now that would have had our asses in the seats not porky's porky's <laughs> was like oof, whatever yeah. i remember my um my older sister she was in high school and i was i was in elementary school she told me about how at lunch break that they had like a movie club and they'd watch movies um, at the lunch break and she would tell me they'd watch um like fast times and um <laughs> the one about the oh, teachers teachers oh yeah, teachers, oh yeah teachers yeah. and uh, yeah um, great soundtrack yeah and uh, maybe even zapped and uh, oh, zapped, yeah. <laughs> yeah i love and i thought i thought she mentioned porkies you know i didn't um i didn't have the wherewithal to like call bullshit on it or not right she was saying that they watched these movies at uh, at lunch break but there would be like a supervisor who would like cover the screen if naughty bits came up so <laughs> it did you know it, it did kind of we had that we had that I you didn't did yeah that? sure yeah what so it was built up in my mind like these why are just movies. have clean movies for the kids like well, why they have movies have, well, they didn't have edited versions yet right oh yeah oh you mean like show something else oh yeah. show the dark crystal <laughs> And don't don't because show don't show zapped because they're teens. They <laughs> yeah, want to. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, but so in my mind, I thought these were movies that teens could go could get a hold of. So you know, my shock when I went to the video store and I wanted to rent it, and they're like, "No, we're not renting that to you." Whoa! What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You we had never, an ethical video never, store. Yeah, I never got carded. I was denied. I was oh denied. my goodness! What does that mean? What? How do you feel so, after that? Well, it makes me feel like I want to see it more. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. Who's going to bootleg it for me? So, oh. so I had to wait. And yeah, so we. Um, so sometime later, uh, a friend, I think he wrote, recorded it off of um, Super Channel or something, <laughs> and that got passed around, and that's how I saw it. Event finally. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like no one ever asked us for ID for with for fast and fast times was definitely <laughs> mature subject matter when you're 14. But that but, movie was that movie still stands up. Oh, that movie is solid. You know, when you're watching Porky's and then you watch fat, you know, I guess it comes down to this like the movie like uh the movies like Animal House and Grease and uh Porky's definitely spoke to our parents' generation, their teenage Dumb. And that's why, you know, for us watching Porky's, the humor was really, uh, I don't want to say puerile, but... It's very juvenile. It's corny as yeah. hell. It's yeah. something that would come out of my dad's mouth. And when you see Fast Times, you're like, oh, now this is talking to our experience right. yeah. now. Yeah. And that's why I think all the movies post-Porky's sort of took off from that and made it about now. So you had Risky Business and, and Fast Times and... Movies like that. So they, the producers realize that we need to titillate and we need to make it about today's kids because the 50s, you know, nobody wants to see about our childhood anymore. It's, it was super, super corny, really. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, um, there's a specific scene I, I wanted to talk about where the, the female gym teacher is trying to convince the administration um, to line up boys with her dicks out so that she can identify um, I believe the word is penis <laughs> but the but the principal I think the principal he he can't say penis the joke is he can't say penis and he wants he insists that they call it a tallywhacker <laughs> that's the kind of uh, yeah that's yeah, corny um, it, it totally is yeah it's corny yeah um, most of the scenes like the, that scene and then there's a lot of stuff in the school courtyard where they're uh, where the kids are having the kids in uh, air quotes are uh, <laughs> having their antics um they don't come off as funny but all the characters uh, all the extras are instructed to like stand in the back and giggle like they can't control themselves um and that almost makes it worse it makes it draws attention to the fact that this is not funny 
you know, Roger Ebert, um, in his one and a half star review, what he hates about the pranks is, uh, he says, jokes based on embarrassment never work unless we can identify with the embarrassed character. Here, all the actors just seem to be acting. Mm. So there's nothing sort of, there's no sort of loving ribbing going on. It's just just empty cold pranks that don't mean anything and we don't care about anybody so it doesn't it just doesn't mean anything that scene with the ball breaker (laughs) and not uh, the principal not wanting to say uh, penis and three by the way four very solid character actors trying to pull this thing off and they're the three men in the background are you know like you said laughing hysterically or trying to hold back and he's trying to hold back. It was awful. It was cringe-inducing. And it just went on and on and on. And I could see someone like my father finding that hilarious. And I could see me sitting beside my father, who's got tears coming down his eyes, giggling away, being totally embarrassed for him and for myself, having to sit through that. Yeah, it's it's just um, it's a different type of humor for a different generation. It, totally, and I can't believe that in nineteen well, I guess nineteen eighty one we were all confused, and, and this was the the big change for us all. This was the shift. And Bob Clark, so I'm just looking at his bio here. He's born in nineteen thirty nine. So in nineteen same age as uh, PJ. Oh, yeah. okay. But he makes this. So he's like a forty year old man who makes this. Yeah, yeah, but it's his teenage years, yeah. right? But he thinks that's funny. <laughs> They never like a dad. Like a dad thinks it's funny. Wow. My dad would tell me stories about, you know, going out. And I, you know, don't get me wrong. My dad is, he does have a sense of humor and he he does love to to do things. But uh, that that sounded horrible. Sounds kind of pervy. Edit that out. But the the (laughs) fact is, my dad would tell me these stories about when there'd be groups of these teen boys and they'd stand on one side of the road or the other and then pretend to have a rope and the cars would stop you know pretending they're pulling a rope across the the street and think that was hilarious and people would just go bananas for that kind of humor wow this kind of humor that's illustrated in this movie was all over my father's generation this is this is, I guess, it's the birth of teenagedom. Because well, there was more teenagers at that time than any other time in the there, world's history. For the first time in history, there were teenagers. Right. Everybody else had to work, and then they right. they went to war, and then they died. Ah, right. But, point. So now you've got teenagers with time on their hands, and this is early teenagehood. It's giant prophylactics. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> crooked penises in the lineup. It's uh, who knows. Yeah. So there is, um, I think if we scratch the surface of the filth, there does seem to be <laughs> something something truthful about uh, about Bob Clark's experience underneath there. I'm sure I'm sure he thought it was a very loving tribute to, you know, the hijinks that he and his friends had growing up in that region of Florida. I'm sure it was, he thought it was a very loving memory. But... I, you know, I, I really keep coming back to this, but $105 million in 1982 speaks to more than just teenagers going to movies. It mm. really, really, really does. There were a lot of young or old men, at the, or I guess men our age now, going to see this movie to remind them of what it was like to be the, that age. And so... We yeah we get the shoehorn Porky's subplot in there I guess overall plot, but really it's about all these antics that they had going on and this sort of thirst for sex that they had mm-hmm. and the oh my god the Kim Cattrall scene which is just cringeworthy. Okay, yeah. can we can we but, talk about that? But yeah. that is a 1950s man's idea of what sex is, right? Mm-hmm. And what they would think is funny and titillating and. And that sort of thing, so... Before we get to that, yeah, I would love to talk about specific scenes. When the movie opened, I almost thought that I had forgotten the heart of the movie. Because it opens with um, one of the main characters, Pee-wee. He wakes up, and it's a scene where he's got morning wood, and his mother walks in on him. And and then he, there's a scene where he, he checks the growth of his, <laughs> of his penis. Tallywhacker. Yeah, so he's got that on a chart. Now... For a moment, I thought, is this, um, you know, is it, again, like, um, you know, looking into uh, that adolescent male psyche and, like, your your body issues and stuff like that? And I thought, maybe there is something here that is kind of sweet. Like American Pie or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something something honest about that 
that awkwardness of growing up. But it is so weird because it's like a 30, 40 year old man doing it. <laughs> oh, that's the elephant. In oh, the... man. It's just so, yeah. so the, the sweetness like, like evaporates uh, within minutes oh, of the, the whole opening. Movie. Yeah. Oh. You know, the only thing I'm thankful for is that it was 40 year old women playing teenage girls, oh. too. Can you imagine if they had a 40 year old man oh, with teenage dude, girls? It would be so oh. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about some of the scenes. Um, is the is the Kim Patrol um, locker room sex scene the worst part of the movie? It's the worst part of the movie, yeah. but it's the worst part of the movie for me personally. And Paul can attest to this. If you were walking down the street in Vancouver, uh, like around the Sutton Place Hotel or on the corner of Granville and Georgia, and you smell hot dogs, a lot of people think. Oh man, I could like I could go for a dog and some sauerkraut and maybe some onions. When I smell hot dog, it smells like a teenage boy to me. That's what teenage boys smell like. Hot dogs. They smell like onions and hot dog water. So the idea of someone getting turned on by teenage boy funk, which is hot dog water and onions, is so disgusting to me. When the jock goes in the mouth. That's it. I'm I'm losing it. I will have nightmares probably for the next two weeks. Yeah. So not erotic, super offensive, and so overplayed. And I think and I think Paul's right. I think it is some weird idea of a fifties man thinking about that's what sex is. It's lots of because when the prostitute is faking sex at the beginning of the movie in that little shack She's making the same sort of histrionic, uh, like it's way more hyperbolic than even Meg Ryan faking it in When Harry Met Sally. It's really big. Um, It's just so outrageous and so silly. Mm -hmm. But it's part of this weird 50s idea of probably (laughs) what they viewed sex as or something. Yeah. We're seen in the movie. Really? I really well. I wanted the alligator or a crocodile. I yeah, always mix those up. I wanted the alligator. Alligator show. was totally oh, underplayed in that. Thing. I thought I someone was going to lose their ginch it. to yeah, it, yeah. or I don't know something. I wanted yeah. something interesting to happen with the yeah. alligator. Didn't happen. Huh? Star turned by the alligator, though. Yeah, good. Yeah. good that was a Canadian alligator. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what I could add to that other than um, the jock in the mouth was probably. It's right up there with Bunwell's uh, eyeball slicing and uh, <laughs> anything done in the, you know, uh, Giallo or uh, the J-Horror. Uh, Is that Miike or something? Mm. It was gross. I really did want to gag because... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it, let's, let's not talk it. about it. I mean, it. I guess there was an authenticity to the scene, so you could certainly smell the adolescence and... The, <laughs> You know, the, the jocks probably should have been more rigid with uh, crust and such, but okay. awful. M- moving awful. on. <laughs> Mo- moving <laughs> on. <laughs> moving on. I want to share with you my memory of the shower scene. The... Do, please. Okay. Right. So, so when I finally watched this movie, I was still of the age where I would watch movies late at night with my older sister because she was into movies and all and, and I didn't uh, I didn't oh, that's nice. I didn't need to watch movies privately yet I just um, what do you mean yet no, no, maybe I'm going to strike that part will you it was pre-masturbation okay, okay. <laughs> to be clear right so <laughs> yeah so you know it's Friday night Saturday night and uh, we'd, we'd get videos, uh, we'd rent videos or whatever, and uh, those would be the movie nights. We'd sit up late and, uh, you know, watch two or three. That sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would watch with my older sister. And uh, again, I didn't call her on whether or not she'd seen this already at, at high school, but right. I said, hey, I, I borrowed Porky's from a friend. Do you want to watch it tonight? And so we were watching it. And it's not, it's not super exciting, as, as we've noted. So I was starting to doze off a little bit. <laughs> So the when the shower scene came on, the shower scene came on. My dad walked into the room. Of course he oh, did. This is of course he did. For life, <laughs> and I did not know what to do, so I pretended to be asleep. Good move. Good That's move. A, just turtle, yeah. turtle. Nice like yeah. just yeah. you're yeah. in your shell. And, and I think, how yeah. did your dad know? That's my, so weird. They and always my, know. And my sister know. did the same. And so he came in and he was. Like, oh, hey, your what? sister pretended too? Yeah, she didn't say anything. <laughs> she didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, 
either she played asleep or she just didn't say anything because like I was totally like <sighs> oh, oh what what's going oh, on yeah, no, band practice <laughs> yeah and he's like hey what's this what are you watching and I was like oh I don't know fever and and this is when this is when uh, you had to tune your TV to channel two or channel three oh to, yeah yeah to see yeah. the VCR signal yeah, okay right. so he walked up to the TV and looked at what dial it was. And he noted it. And he said, "Hmm, okay." And then he and then he left the room. So I would like to apologize to CBC, whoever had to answer the phones that week, who got a, who may have gotten an, a, a call from an irate father asking what was playing at twelve thirty that night. <laughs> but I didn't know what to do. So CBC, thank you. They always know. They always it's know. Scary. They it's leave you alone for hours it's at a stretch uncanny, and then they come in at the sense. most yeah. inappropriate time. Yeah, uncanny. <laughs> so the shower scene. For me, that's where this movie makes no pretenses about what it's about other than let's just look at some naked flesh. I think that I think that puts the movie over into like the sleaze category rather than just like racy movie. It's it's kind of it's kind that of, feels exploited. Yeah, that that kind of cheapens the movie. Uh, if it's not, <laughs> if it was not cheap enough, but that one kind of like right. you know really puts a stamp on it and saying like yeah this is yeah this is for what you this is what you paid to see yeah yeah and like it's sixty two minutes yeah, in forty minutes <laughs> yeah. in I just think of that scene and you know knocked up when they're recording how long you have to go into a movie to see boob or beef. I'm yeah. like, man, this movie wouldn't even be wouldn't even make it the spank bank or whatever. It's like so long into the movie. Yeah. And it's and it's so it's really you're right. It's just placed there just yeah. for seventy five yeah. seconds of titillation. Yeah, but it Because you don't get anything else in the movie. No. You get one very quick flash of boobs from the stripper in Porky's, which I think must come in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, by the way, Porky's the most chased, <laughs> yeah. debauched... I mean, seriously? What the, what was that place? Uh, circling back, that shower scene basically kept every teenage boy glued to every crappy knockoff teenage movie after that, waiting for beef. And all mm. you get is, like Chris says, side boob, Boob, maybe some simulated, really boring simulated sex. But we bought it. That and, um, well, of course, Risky Business was like, whoa. But that's 83, 82, 83. But that shower scene totally, um, oh, yeah. A bunch of 40-year-old women watched by a bunch of 40-year-old men. And, you know, what I was hoping was Ball Bricker and the, the rich porky guy would have gotten it on. I was thinking... Would have missed opportunity. That would have been really nice. Yeah, there would have been some comedy in that. There sure. would have been comedy. In sure. Ball Bricker come in and, and actually give him the business like he'd never had before. And then it's love. And then you've got your sequel, right? Right. I want to know how Porky gets his revenge. Next week, same time, same place, Porky's 2, Apparently, Porky's Revenge. Porky's 2. And I was reading, and I saw Porky's... T- no, oh, I Porky's saw Porky's 2, 2 but revenge, I have no recollection. No, Porky's 2 is the next day. And then right, Porky's 3 right. is Porky's Revenge, right. I think. Uh, Porky's 2 is when they want to put on a play and it's too saucy. And I think they quote John Lennon, imagine there's no heaven in hell. And it's really they a... can't right, quote It's John really Lennon. a self-righteous, uh, terrible uh, mess of a movie. Wow. For real. It almost might be worth re-watching. But they... they What happens is the kids want to put on a Shakespeare play and it's too racy for the town. So the town's moral authority puts their foot down and says no. And so... Sounds great. I'm in. I don't think there's any more shower scenes. And all the men and women are five years (laughs) older. (laughs) (laughs) Tentures. Rickety knees. <laughs> I got the bursitis. Well, I masturbate. Meat, is that you? <laughs> I can't see without my bifocals, my progressives. <laughs> so, where were we talking about? Uh, the shower scene. Oh, the shower scene. And Chris is right. Carrie, first five minutes. Bam, front loaded. Beep, there you boobs, go. it's all there. All of it. Way yeah. more than that. Yeah. Way more than that. Actually, way more titillating than that, too, because... 
uh, as far as I know, cheerleaders don't cheer in a wet tiled floor. <laughs> and by the way, you're not actually seeing them cheer. You're just hearing. You're hearing them, them yeah. And and uh, whereas Carrie, they, these are, I think some of them might even have been teenagers, including Carrie herself in that shower scene. Do you remember that? I I don't remember what age. No, I'm not putting you on the spot, yeah. but, uh, but but I remember the scene. I don't. Yeah, yeah. it's also more artfully shot. Um, in, in terms of in like, a diploma like, way, sure, but, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a hint of sleaze. It's like certainly like, a it's, lot it's more. It's already girl. like an Adrian line kind of. But there's certainly a lot. We're comparing shower scenes, sure. and then certainly there's a lot more sure. going on in that scene than there yeah. is in this Porky scene. Well, yeah, I mean that one. Um, yes, it's, it's De Palma style, but it is um, you know it's it's a constructed scene with a camera move and there's atmosphere with the steam and everything. I mean this one is this one is the point of view of the people it is it's um the epitome of the voyeuristic um position to to see this right no one knows what i'm nobody knows i'm here i get to see everything um and then and it tops it because um when when the viewer is discovered the object of uh, of the gaze enjoys it and stays to you know it's it's just really well, gross. most 40 year old women do i mean <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh uh, yeah, but it yeah, it's it's just like the reason for that scene is pretty naked, um, and and that's why I think uh, Porky's just is in its own kind of sleaze class. If we if we look at like those uh, movies uh, about the teen sex comedies from the eighties, I think Porky's is really sort of um, um, worse than all of them. Yeah, it, it definitely has a, a sleaziness about it yeah. for sure. But what's funny is I'm sure that wasn't Bob's intent because it really does feel like a, a heartfelt project. So It was Greenberg. Greenberg made it sleazy. The producer. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. how he funded Astral Media and Oh, one more thing about the uh the shower scene, because oh. they've been uh racist and misogynist, but then when they he says, Move your ass, you fat hunk of lard <laughs> or whatever to the person who's blocking mm-hmm. his view, it's so cringeworthy. I thought she was really pretty, there's, but the I movie mean, doesn't. Yeah, yeah so the there, there's just the there's a there's a lot of different types of people. Why would Pee Wee be picky at this point? <laughs> like, why do we allow that little nervous twit to be picky at this point? Oh, what a! Now that you said that, it makes me angry. This is what a. Oh, that's going to make you angry about well, this I mean, movie. Well, <laughs> I mean, oh, this movie's terrible. One more thing I wanted to say about nudity. I'm surprised that there was male nudity in this in this movie. Explain the male nudity. Well, well, in the first scene, there's a lot of full frontal. You get to see all their penises as they run out of the house. Yeah. Even there's when they're a, just sitting there, they're uh, when they're waiting for the prostitute to, uh, with the, they're waiting for their turn with the prostitute. They just some of them have their legs crossed, but some of them are just sitting there, and it, you, you can you can see it there. Um, like the the sex comedies from the '80s, any movie from the '80s, it was about showcasing female nudity. That was the selling point, yeah. and so I was surprised that um, you saw Dick. Yeah, that is surprising. In fact, you saw as much penis as you saw Beeve, for sure, between the two scenes. Mm-hmm. I bet there's as much male frontal nudity as there is female in it. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to the hee-hee-ha-ha, ha, corny, 50s dad kind of, or 80s dad, I guess, kind of humor. <laughs> I can't see them being egalitarian, because that means they put so much thought into it. Not likely. In fact, I almost see it like they're watching a cut of the movie, and that shower scene really feels tacked on with uh, with the um, result of the shower scene being two very closed scenes. Like, the first time you see them go into the, the shower, it's just three actors, so they probably just had three actors on the set that day. And then the second time they go in and you see the, the, the thing. But you can see the producer saying, Bob, we need more beef. Or Bob, we need more <laughs> girls. Bob, this isn't working for us. And so he went back and, and tacked in this sort of shower scenario into the thing. It almost feels like it was, once again, shoehorned in there. Hmm. Because everything else was about shenanigans. I can't see them making the movie based on the shower scene. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but... I almost see the producer saying, Bob, we've seen a bunch of penises and, and now be What's going on here? Yeah. Maybe that was the price to be paid to, to get the rest of the movie? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I feel, it feels like that shower scene just kind of comes out of hmm. nowhere. Yeah. The, the first part, which is, oh, nothing happened. And then they go back to it. It's kind of, hmm. it doesn't make sense given that 
the overarching theme is Porky's and getting revenge on Porky's and that poor guy going back and getting his ass kicked every time, working through the racism against the Jew, but not the blacks, uh, and Pee-wee losing his virginity. It, it just seems weird. And why wasn't Pee-wee's the penis that was pulled on in the shower? It wouldn't have gone through the glory hole. Well, that's oh. that's true. But it was also that um, Ballbricker's uh, ongoing feud with uh, right. the one... Tommy? Tommy, yeah. Who paid you're for right, this? You're right. I totally... Uh, you're right. Who paid for this? Who's, who's Astral Media? Oh, good question. Um, Astral Media is the largest radio broadcaster in Canada. But it wasn't always. It was a um, started off as a photo lab owned by the Greenberg brothers. And the producer of this film, Harold Greenberg, uh, made so much money from this movie that he created Astral Media, which went on to own well, the largest uh, conglomerate of radio stations in Canada and 20 or so television channels um, that we watch today. That's how much money this movie made, and that's who produced this movie. Mm. You have to think about if it made $110 million, or 104, five. five, do you think it was shot for half a million, a million? I mean, that's a return like Blair Witch proportion. That is a huge return. This made the Greenbergs and Bob Clark a lot of money. Let me read this to you. In 1961, Harold, Harvey, Sidney, and Ian Greenberg owned Ann Green Photo, a photo finishing concession in Miracle Mart stores that later became the chain Astral Photo, which now is Black's Photography. Astral Photo entered the motion processing sector after acquiring Pathé Humphreys, Motion Picture Lab in 1974, eventually becoming Astral Tech. In the early 80s, Astral ceased to be directly involved in film production and instead expanded into television and home video market. In 2000, the company was renamed Astral Media, and now they have 82 licensed radio stations in eight provinces and 20 uh, English and French language television channels. Wow. That's a mogul. From a photo <laughs> mart in a mall. That's pretty fantastic. On one teenage sex comedy that appealed to alcoholic dads and their pubescent sons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicely played. Yeah. Any, uh, any other scenes you want to talk about? I really didn't like the scenes with the abusive dad. I think because when I first saw him pull up on his motorcycle, I thought he was just a badass senior that was like one year out of high school because he looks the same age as the 38-year-old men that are playing teenagers. Mm. I had no idea that was someone's dad. And the girl in the back of his motorcycle looks like a sophomore or whatever. I mean, she looks like she she's She was 17. actually the youngest-looking girl she was. In, on yeah. the set. Yeah. It was quite something. It was It was quite jarring to see the dad... Who could have been easily, who was probably up for one of the other roles, uh, didn't get it. So you get to play dad. And the young girl who was like, you're too young to be in the shower scene. So we'll put you on the back of the motorcycle. This <laughs> Holding a beer for guy. the uh, 40-year-old man. It was weird. It was weird. It was weird and bad. And of course, the whole demolition of Porky's uh, bar was so prolonged and stupid and like you said, Bridge on the River Kwai, explosives, and the chainsaw that wasn't actually working. You could see nothing happening. Yeah. And, oh, just awful. Yeah. And I didn't buy that those little, uh, those two dinghies had the horsepower to pull down Absolutely the Absolutely Where did they get those boats? <laughs> yeah. No, where did they get those boats? Did it was never stopped. Well, the, well, no, well, the Jewish kid had a plan. Mm. And then they showed up. With all this equipment and, and, and explosives. And, yeah. Yeah. and that was the other thing. Like, the, the Jewish kid is wily. He's rich. I mean, it did nothing to dis- dissuade Jewish stereotypes at all. I mean, you talked about the, the line that Bob Clark was taking and that he was the only character that was allowed to step outside of the, the stereotype, I suppose. But he wasn't really. He was wily, conniving, able to sweet-talk the officers, Mm -hmm. uh, able to come up with this plan. He was rich. I mean, he was all those things that, you know, stereotypically 1950s men would have thought of as as Jewish, you know, from top to bottom. So 
you know, even then he lived up to the stereotype or the racist stereotype that Bob Clark was supposedly breaking down. Did mm-hmm. you guys not see that too? Or um, I have to admit, I, I have trouble seeing Shades of White. <laughs> well played. Well played. But you, <laughs> you do make a good point. So. Well played. <laughs> William is Chinese, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> or actually, I should say, are you Chinese? Yes, can't you tell okay. by my accent? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there was there were those things going on with the with the Jewish character that I thought was you know rather offensive too. Why mm-hmm. why can't he just be a kid too? But trying to fit in and yeah, being awkward. Yeah, exactly. And... But instead, he knows he can you know he knows some sort of strange martial art. He knows <laughs> he knows uh, he's rich. He knows how, how to play basketball. A... Yeah, where does he get dynamite and boats and? So it did and nothing. Such a, and it's such a fancy motor car. It did nothing to dissuade what we were, what we were thinking. Certainly, in terms of the subplot, it, it didn't add up to much. Do you think Porky's uh, stands the test of time? I don't think it was good back in. Yeah, it was probably time. pretty lousy then. But you you watch it because again, it's just um, research. You know, you're just you're exposing yourself to every teen raunch comedy that you possibly can i'd go further and say it was the end of an era and less of a beginning because when you see that fast times and porkies were in the same year and you see what movies came after there's less and less and less of the like porkies was the end of the animal house uh era of that kind of comedy grease animal house Mm -hmm. those sorts of movies it was sort of the, the final nail in the coffin. And then moving forward, you had the, like I said before, you had the, the teenage comedies that were the here and the now. Risky Business, fat, or Fast Times, Risky Business, and then on and on and on it goes. People experiencing teenage stuff at the same time that teenagers were experiencing, culminating ultimately with the Brat Pack and the mm-hmm. John Hughes movies, right? So... Porky's is the end of an era, I think. It, it marked the end of of those the hijinks and the, the just set up, set up, set up, gag, set up, set up, set up, gag filmmaking. This is, but this is not the, um, it's not the best example of that genre, but it's, uh, it seems to be the most popular example of it, but it's not the best example, right? Of 50s? Teen comedies? Oh, I mean, like, uh, like the Animal House and the uh, you know the hijinks, the the school hijinks, sex mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. Right? I think the um, I think I think that finally reaches its apex with Revenge of the Nerds, wouldn't you say? But Revenge of the Nerds takes place now. It's not a fifties mm-hmm. movie. Okay. Oh, I see. Maybe the hijinks. Yeah, sure. It certainly has the same format or the same yeah format as the. As Porky's or Animal House yeah. did, but you were thinking about like the uh, the the interest in that time period. What I was thinking about was the nostalgic view, this lens, and you know um, that uh, the teenage movies up to that point were made through looking. It was always looking back to a more you know uh, American Graffiti, mm-hmm. um, Grease, National Lampoon's Animal House. You know those sorts of teen movies were all. Um, that time and so I guess the teen movies that were being made in the 70s were what was happening in the 70s that they would have made teen movies about nothing much right Mm -hmm. even though they should have been because it was a crazy time for teenagers right but this would have been the last gasp of that nostalgic look at teenagers but there's a difference between teen movies and teen sex movies like Better Off Dead and Risky Business are two totally different movies. I mean, they're they have protagonists of the same age, but there's well, a teen sex movie and then there's just a teen movie. And Porky's is a teen sex movie. No, no, they're the same thing. I mean, ultimately, I sex is the know. sex is the 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 thing that you want. And certainly, as the, the era went on, it was less about the sex and more about the romance and the, the right. Uh, they ended up being rom coms for yeah, exactly. You know, Sixteen and that's to maybe why rom coms became so much popular as we became adults. That's right. And, sure. You know, we gladly pay our, our eighteen dollars to see Katie Heigl movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Versus what was 
you know, back then. So it, it certainly there was the move away, but I think fast times changed it all. And it, mm-hmm. the, the two things happened at the same time. Porky's was the end. Fast times was the beginning. I remember that Happy Days was the was a popular TV show. At Hugely that time. popular. Yeah. At this time. Well, although it was on its wane at this point too. I think well, it had a good run. I think Fonzie run. had jumped the shark by this time, literally, <laughs> yeah. and and it was by on 81. its way out. Yeah. yeah. But a running uh, a running gag in that one was um, uh, Ron Howard's character, Richie. Richie, he wanted to go to Inspiration Point. Yeah, that's right. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. So yeah, so even there was even, some making out that he want that. Yeah, and and was Fonzie making out with these girls or was he? Hey, first of all, they're going chicks. all the way. And uh, right. second of all, going all the way meant <laughs> holding hands. I didn't think anyone had premarital sex until like 1969. Well, according to Richard Yates, they had a lot of it. So, <laughs> you know, they just, it wasn't very good. Right. Did you find something interesting in the, in the uh, Canadian Encyclopedia? Well, William, I just happened to have that here, yeah. and uh, what I found was that uh, here's here's a, the Canadian Encyclopedia on the the interweb is quite something, and uh, here's what they had to say: the film made enough money upon its release that it spawned two dreadful sequels, and has enshrined <laughs> its enshrined itself as the most reviled film in the Canadian canon. <laughs> The reviews at the time of its release were so harsh, Variety called it astonishingly vulgar, has to be seen to be believed, that Porky's has been dismissed as an aberration, a bad joke. (laughs) However, given the vulgar comic extremes of later films such as American Pie, the juvenile, foul-mouthed humor of Porky's seems more like a harbinger of things to come. And then it also features a young Kim Cattrall, in an unenviable role as a gym instructor <laughs> known as Lassie. That, that uh, synopsis is a bit unfair to uh, Kim Cattrall because Lassie was her character's nickname. Her real name was Honeywell. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, isn't it amazing that a movie that was so reviled um, and called an aberration... Um, was the highest grossing movie, <laughs> really, a Canadian movie of all time. If it's such a terrible movie, why did everybody see it? Yeah, why, William? Tell us <laughs> why. You may just well, watch it again. Surely I... you have something. <laughs> well, tapping into my uh, old white man who grew up in the 50s <laughs> um, psyche, I, I, think it was, I think it was a movie that uh, dared to be what it was. And I think people had to see it to be, to believe it. Okay. And um, but a lot of people had to see it to yeah, believe it. Yeah. That's and, a lot and, of money. And that is made is not made in the Hollywood system. So I don't think you have those stops of of uh, studio execs saying, you know, this has gone too far, and we this will tarnish the image of our studio. Right. It's um, well, clearly, it's we need more. Like you can see, it. we <laughs> yeah. need more. Uh, but you know, it's not a, it's not going to be submitted for Oscar consideration. It is a um, this is what audiences want these days. Let's let's give it to them by the bucketful, and that that was the formula that worked, and it was a Canadian company that profited from it. So, wow! Yeah. Yeah. Go Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so we usually wrap this up with a scoring system uh, based on Canadian Leafs. I'm not sure how many Leafs we got to uh, score this out of. Well, um, sixty-nine seems appropriate. <laughs> Or three and a half, which was Pee Wee's member's length when he's <laughs> turgid in the morning. Oh, so you pick. <laughs> I like that. Okay, let's score it at a three and a half. Okay, so three and a half Pee Wee's. Yeah. Oh my god. Half a Pee Wee? One arm on a five point star. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that bad. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, I think it, I think it barely registers as a one on... It's not even like whatever, like whatever's less than half a star, like a fifth of a star. Yeah, a fifth of one out of five. Just, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely give it half a half out of a peewee out of three and a half peewees. <laughs> definitely, yeah. it does not. Oh, it was bad. It was mm. really bad. It was bad in the eighties when I saw it. It was bad in the eighties when the kids with the alcoholic dads were talking about it, and it's even worse. 
35, 40 years later yeah. that I'm watching it again with yeah. my friends. You uncovered an interesting uh, tidbit. You said um, there was an effort to remake it um, headed by... Howard Stern. Yeah. What? Yeah, Howard Stern bought the rights to it. No. And wanted to do, I don't know if it was a reboot or a remake or a sequel. And then two production companies came forward and said that they had the rights to it. So there was a VOD version that I don't think Stern was a part of that came out in 2009. And I'm afraid I don't have the name handy, but something did come out that would, would have been a fourth something to do with Porky's. So, oh my God. So, so Stern, obviously, who I think is maybe five years older than me, he probably, you know... He's probably 15 years older than you. You think sure, so? Sure. Oh, well, yeah. why on earth would he have any sort of tether to the Porky's franchise? Because this speaks to him. This is exactly the kind of movie he wants. It's juvenile. It's juvenile, juvenile right. corny okay. humor, absolutely. Well, the fact that two other production companies came forward and said they had the rights to it. So I don't know if that's Astral and somebody in Path A, or like, who would it be? I have no idea. So, so we may be saved from a reboot of this of this movie simply because there's legal wrangling going Let's on. Let's not count on it. It could, it could happen. <laughs> Why would anyone remake this movie? If James Cameron did it. It would be amazing. <laughs> then it would be a super Canadian movie. <laughs> uh, uh, the um, have you rated this movie yet? I I, I I said I could barely give it one. Okay, yeah. good. One pee wee or one? Yeah, one one out of this three and a half. Right. Yeah. Is that too high? Yeah, seems, seems pretty high. rich. <laughs> I guess it's pretty rich. Uh, well, like, wow, yeah. really? What movie were you watching? <laughs> Well, I must say the Florida locations were out of this world. Well, there was a there was an alligator. Oh, hey, one more thing that we haven't talked about is pretty much every frame of that movie has at least five 35-year-old <laughs> men in it acting as teenagers. Yeah. Bob Clark framed every single shot to have all the wackadoo, wackadee, schmackadee-doo stuff going on. At the same time. Did you notice that? There were rarely two shots. Very, yeah, very... It was all part of these all. guys, yeah. all as a group, ripping on one another. And then with, you'd see a couple gals in the background rolling their eyes and chewing gum. Like, all the really shots were just... Really egg huge, jokes and yeah. whatever. They were yeah. all... And even when the frame was tight, like in the school ground, they got the fr- the fence in the, the foreground. Mm-hmm. He's got eight, ten guys all crammed into the 16 by 9 frame. <laughs> Not in nothing's happening outside of them. It was just the weirdest frame. Oh yeah, even ever. even like when they're sneaking up on in the dark onto uh, Porky's compound yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and it's it's an over the shoulder kind of shot. But he has to fit a whole bunch of them into the frame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was the weirdest thing. It was like, hey gang, we're all in this together. I don't I don't know. Maybe contractually he had to, or maybe that was just his thing. It was like we all did this as a group, and this is how I see it. I don't know. There was zero Bob Clark touch in this movie. I don't understand it. Bob Clark touches that you would recognize from like Black Christmas. And Black Christmas, yeah. Death Dream, or or A Christmas Story. There was nothing that had any sort of breeziness or, uh, you know, there was nothing that sh- was clever about the shot shooting of this movie. So, mm. there you go. There's something. That, one last salvo at this piece of crap. The um, the what makes it Canadian segment is well. I got two things that make it Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Did you recognize some? Sure, the lead actor from ENG, who we saw on the <laughs> televisions for a decade, and I think his name's Doug McGrath from Going Down the Road, who played the other gym teacher, right? Who couldn't stop laughing, who talked about Lassie. Yeah. Those two guys oh. immediately, immediately jumped out as yes. Canadian actors. So. And Cherry Forever. Oh, Cherry Forever, Susan Clark, right? Is she right. Canadian? Yeah. No kidding. Oh. Wife of Alex Karras starred the television show Webster. Mm-hmm. Alex Karras playing the sheriff. Who else is Canadian? Art Hindle as uh, Ted. I don't remember. Art, Jeez, Hindle. Art Hindle is the ENG guy. He's okay. the, the oh, brother okay. of the redneck who gets beat up. Okay. Doug McGrath was the other coach you mentioned. He's the coach. Yeah. Yeah. And Kim, Kim Cattrall, of course, who... Um, Dated Pierre yeah. Trudeau. And also <laughs> you can't get more Canadian than that. Played a Vulcan in Star Trek V, her famous, most famous role. <laughs> but her movie Porky's made more money than Wrath of Khan, so it comes full circle. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Before Sex in the City, I always knew Kim Cattrall um, 
was from Mannequin. From Mannequin, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, I kind of fell in love with her in that movie. She was so sweet. Who was the geek? Was it Andrew McCarthy? Is he in that one? John yeah. Cryer? I think it was Andrew McCarthy. Is it was Andrew McCarthy? McCarthy? I think so. Okay. But I really liked her in that movie. Hmm. I'm glad that Kim Cattrall had a career after this because that is a, a god awful part she had to wow. play. I mean, if that's your debut, yeah. it's surprising you could bounce back from that for sure. You know what? I, I while watching that movie, I kept rolling or that scene. What, what was rolling in my head was remember she did that amazing docu series about women and sexuality and and what it was to be a woman and, and feel things. Yeah, that's you know true. That? Yeah, like she a wrote a, 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 compa- a book, and then I think yeah. it was a companion and so to, to have this sort of perverse, not perverse, that's wrong, juvenile view of sex and, you know, having to play this ridiculous role, and then fast forward 30 years later, she totally writes that wrong and basically is empowering young women to take over their bodies and, and feel like they can be sexual beings. I think that's pretty amazing. What a, what a, thank you, Porky's. What a, what a start. Hey, and yeah. finish for her. Mm-hmm. And this is a woman who started as Lassie and ended as an empowering uh, female role model for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legacy of Porky's. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul and Chris, thanks for uh, sitting down and watching Porky's with me. Probably for the last time. I would, oh, yes, yes, I'm yes. pretty sure it would You're be the last time. absolutely right. You totally <laughs> yes. owe us, William. I do, there's, big time. There's something, <laughs> right. there's something you owe us on this okay. one. Thanks, William. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that, and we'll uh, tune in again. Bye.